We've launched this series, um, hashtag controversial conversations, and we've done um, abortion, did a two-part thing on abortion, and uh, last couple of weeks we did um, homosexuality. And so today, actually, we are going to continue our talk on hashtag homosexuality, and, um, and this is why the chairs are, 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 are up here. So it's going to be a little different, kind of a more of an application, real-life how-to more than anything else. So if you, have not, if you have not been here for the last couple of weeks, um, some of what may be said may not make complete sense because we've, we've, been, we've been building on the, on the last couple of messages. Uh, they're kind of foundational to the topic of um, homosexuality. And, uh, we, and we basically unpacked all of the verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so before I invite the guests, um, what I want to kind of um, revert to just as like a summary is that um, homosexuality is, is, is one of the uh, things that the Bible does talk about, but it does not in a way talk about it how we talk about it now, uh, where it's all uh, personal and individualistic. Um, but it does speak clearly on it. And, um, and our, our conclusion about the topic, if we can even conclude it, because it's, it's a pretty deep topic. I mean, if you guys, you know, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you, you, you know that I did not answer some of the questions or maybe some of the concerns or maybe some things were not too, too clear for, for us. But it's something that, I mean, we can talk for the next three to four months on this topic because it really just goes to, to so many, in so many different directions. Um, and and we, we can't do that here. But this is a good way for us to research and, um, and to really understand a couple of key things that we highlighted about homosexuality. And, uh, and actually not just that, but a, across the board. Uh, and, and those are the three things that one is that we do believe that there is a God. We, we don't live in a place where God does not exist. And so we believe and hold to the fact that there is a God. And that we also hold to the fact that, um, that God has spoken through his word. I, we believe that he speaks to us through his spirit, but he also has spoken to us through his word, uh, which is our foundation for all the things that we may get revelation of. The scripture is the foundation where, where, where we go to it to confirm whether it's really God speaking or just our gut. Um, but we do believe that the scripture is not only God-breathed, but it's authoritative. And it is authoritative on the topic um, of homosexuality and a lot of other topics. Um, so we do believe there's a God. We believe that the scripture is authoritative. That's where we go and pull our belief system and our foundation uh, from. And then we also believe that the scripture is also clear on this topic. Uh, some people think that it's not clear, it's fuzzy, and people try to explain a lot of different things. And so we believe, and I, and I think I, we read through it over the last couple of weeks, about the authority and the clarity of, uh, of the Scripture in regarding to this topic. So I'm not going to get into it that, but that's kind of where we um, where, where took Scripture and created our foundation for what we believe, what we believe. With that said, every weekend I say this because this is really, really important. Um, a lot of times we don't know how to... Uh, treat or communicate people who sin differently than us. And so we judge people based on their action and we judge ourselves based on our intention. And so the overarching theme is that you are loved no matter what you're struggling with. And we do believe that homosexuality is a struggle for people and how we deal with it and how we move, um, move in that struggle, in that temptation, um, it, it's really going to... Um, be, you know, it's going to be determined on, 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 on the fact of whether we believe there's a God, whether we believe the Scripture is authoritative, um, and it, whether it's clear. But it's also going to be based on a lot on how people respond to us. Because as humans, when we feel rejected, when we feel someone is judging us, even though they may be right, we're going to distance ourselves from them and even what they're saying. 
And that's a form of rebellion, just like, you know, just because how you said it. And unfortunately, Christians and the church sometimes, okay, a lot of times does not know how to communicate certain truth with love. And so uh, from my heart and from our church, I just would like to apologize on behalf of all the Christians who do it wrong. Um, you know, not that they don't speak the truth, but maybe they speak on it uh, without much sensitivity or warmth or compassion. And I think that that, that that speaks contrary to how Jesus dealt with all issues and all things. There's always truth, but he also did it with compassion. And so when you're speaking the truth with someone and they're not drawn to your compassion, they may not be drawn to your truth, but they may be drawn to your compassion, then you know that you're doing it like Jesus did it. And so we've been talking about truth and love, compassion and grace across the board and so you have a safe place here if you're struggling with same-sex attractions um, or if you've been hurt by the church on this topic or other topics you just, I just want you to know that we love you regardless of your past regardless of even where you are present um, and we don't love you because we know you we love you because you're created in God's image and so thus you have value and you have purpose and you have destiny and our job is to speak that into your future um, so, um, yeah, that's the kind of God that we serve. It's not something that we come up with and say, hey, we're going to be better humans than other humans. Um, no, we're just saying, Jesus, you have an amazing plan. Let, let us align ourselves with your plan. And that is what the church is. It's the full expression of Jesus on earth. Amen. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else do I want to talk about? I had... People submit some questions, and some of you submitted some questions, and, um, and if you want to submit a question even right now, I don't know whether we'll get to it or not, but we will try. So just um, if you're already in our texting, uh, on our texting uh, platform, you can send in your questions via, via that, and if you're not, just text Odyssey to 97,000. And it'll take you through a couple of steps. And once you're in, then we'll be able to communicate even live on stage. Um, Genesis, I'm going to just answer a couple of questions and I'm going to invite our guests for this morning. Uh, if we can get Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. Genesis chapter 1. Um, I think... Ultimately, ultimately, when, it talks, when we're talking about this subject and all subjects, we have to watch, watch ourselves so that we don't just insert ourselves into a faulty storyline. Because a lot of times, especially on these like, sensitive topics, people will try to pull you into their storyline and, and, and with their experience, good or bad, with their feeling, with their emotions, with their humanity, and ask you for your opinion. And, and in that moment, you're going to feel like saying one thing, and it may or may not align with Scripture. And I love what Jesus did is he always took it back to the beginning. He always takes it back to God's design. And I think that is a powerful default for us to do across the board. Don't base it on your experience or what you've heard or what you've seen. Base it on God's original intent because that is redemption. God's trying to take us back to the original intent. And so with this topic specifically, 
we have to go back to God's original intent. And we talked about this, that Jesus was asked about divorce because this is, this is concerning marriage, this is concerning attraction, divorcing people. You know, the, 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 one of the Jewish writings says that, hey, if, you're, if your spouse, you know, burns your food, that is uh, just, you, you're justified in divorcing her. You know, so, so they're asking Jesus, you know, and, and you know what, you know, you know what's crazy? You know, we're like, that is so silly. Look at the no-fault divorce here. And all of a sudden, we're like, wow, we're not that much more religious than the Jewish people who had all the laws in the Old Testament. Hypocrites. Y'all are hypocrites. Okay. Um, <laughs> but Jesus took it back to the beginning. He says, yes, Moses, have, Moses gave you um, the divorce concept. But he says, but in the beginning, it was not so. And I love that because he establishes foundation for many, many things, which is what was God's initial and intentional design. And so we go back to this um, in Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make man. And when it's reading man, it's not just men, but mankind in our image according to our likeness. So now you know that we are all been created in God's likeness. This is not speaking to us being his children because only those who are saved are God's children. But all of us are God's creation made in his image and in his likeness. This is, our, our, this is where we get our, our source of value for each individual human being is that they were all created in God's image and likeness. They will rule the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock and the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Notice he did not say they're going to rule one another. God's intention for, for us was not to rule one another, but to rule the gift and to dominate over the gift that God has given us, which is creation, earth, animals, and, and the such. And as you know, we have deviated from God's original plan when we try to rule over other people. You see how it's already, even from here, men are powerless. They're whatever. Women are the right way to do it. You know, we, we, we need to step under the, the ruling reign of men. Why do people say that? Because they've been submitted to injustice. And men take advantage because of their superiority complex or the, whatever they think of themselves as if they could rule over weaker, um, you know, creatures. And not that all women are weaker in that sense. So if you're offended, then whatever. You're, um, but, um, but what happens is that, that, that that's part of the bullying concept. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I did not create one man to rule over another man. And so we see this going back. So it's like, okay, God's design is not for someone to be dominating us. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created, uh, in, uh, he created him in the image of God. And watch this language. He created them male and female. He did not say, and then he created them heterosexuals. He didn't create them husband and wife. He created them male and female. And there's purpose behind male and female. Verse 28. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. So Jesus was, pulls it all back to God's original design. And one of the designs for um, having... Uh, you know, uh, the relationship between male and female is for the, for the blessing of, of reproduction. 
And we know that in same-sex marriage, you cannot have that functionality. And so what people tend to do is say, hey, well, what are you talking, so are you saying that those who cannot produce family, that they're like living under God's curse? And that's not at all what it's saying. What it's basically saying is that you have to have the capacity to obey God's law, obey God's command, and that is to be able to reproduce. It's not all in all of a marriage union, but it is one of the parts, one of the aspects of it. And so Jesus goes back to the beginning, and I love it because he, he doesn't just zero in on one or two aspects. He says if it was up to God and God just put his thumb on all of us, he basically said, he basically said that no one would cheat on anyone because if you, you know, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery as far as God is concerned. So he's saying, I'm, I, 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 if you want to really know what I designed is that for one person, one man, one, one male, one female to come together and make, make a family unit where they, where they are submitted to one another in good and bad and poor and uh, rich. So there's not this sin that creeps in and, and messes up marriage, messes up our, you know, all sorts of things that God has created in us to be productive. And so this is a, a fundamental passage, not just for homosexuality, but for all aspects of God's creation. We always have to go back to what is God's intent with his creation. Um, we had a question come in, and let me see if we, have any, if we had any while I was speaking. Maybe someone got offended and... <laughs> and we said that speaking on this topic is... Is really difficult in, in, on church, in church settings on Sundays. Churches talk about this midweek, Sunday nights, but not too many churches tackle this on Sunday morning. And the reason is because it is so controversial that uh, churches, you know, they, they position themselves to break apart and, and basically just disappear. Um, so the fact that we're still here in our third week on homosexuality, I just want to say, guys, you're not the offensive, offended type, so good for you. Um, and if we can finally finish this topic in this series, move on, we can talk about anything. And I said this, and I, I truly believe that that is um, the case. Um, so one of the questions is, do you think that people can be born uh, with homosexual tendencies, or does it develop? And if so, from what? And it's really, it's really hard to tackle like, like a question like that, because um, I think that it, going back to the, God's original intent when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no sin. So we have to know that sin gave us tendencies to rebel against God's original design. So um, in, in reality, yes, there are tendency because we're, we're born in sin nature, but it's not just to homosexuality, it's towards all sin. Um, so, so yes, there's, there's, there's a tendency with that. But um, specifically with same-sex attractions and all that, um, a lot of what happened was uh, a few years ago, uh, a couple dozen years ago, there was a study that um, scientists were trying to find the gay gene, uh, you know, and basically one of the things was, hey, if we can find a gay gene, then we can say that people were born this way. And so they, they, they tried to find it, and then the media picked it up, and they ran with the fact that the gay gene was found, the gay gene was found, and in reality, it wasn't. What the scientists were saying was, it would be so nice if we did find a gay gene so that we can say yes you see people are born this way so up to date science has not basically confirmed or denied that people are born this way or that way so we go back to the Bible and the Bible says that we are born with tendencies so for some people it'll be same-sex attractions for other people it'll be um, uh, opposite sex attractions right right yeah see 
all of a sudden we're like in the same category and it doesn't feel so comfortable because we always think that we're above uh, people who sin differently than us. Um, but there's a lot that, that play for these attractions. Um, and, and, and in reality, across the board, why people get into depression, why they get into drugs, all sorts of different reasons. And we all kind of, they're all the same um, aspects, you know, from father or mother wounds, um, wounds, um, abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, trauma, uh, manipulation, control, uh, broken marriages, gender biases, our culture feeds lies into our system. Um, huh? Yeah, amen? Good. Um, so, so there are um, a lot of different uh, peer pressures, judgments, um, things that we all have to kind of battle with. Um, not all families are, are, you know, subjected to God's design. So families try to do it their way. And in their process, they're practicing marriage. They're practicing parenting. And if you don't really have like a, a you know, a, a guide to kind of help you, then you're just winging raising, parent, uh, raising your children. And we all are kind of the byproduct of us, of our parents just winging it. You know, we're like, we somehow turned out, you know, and we're not in jail. Wow, that's amazing. Or we're, we're still alive. Um, and the more rules and laws our culture puts on, the more we feel like, I don't know how the previous generation made it. You know, like, I'm, I'm, like, like the simple stuff, like, like you know, seatbelts, for example, airbags. It's just like, wow, you know, we get fined for that. And our parents are like, oh, when we were growing up, you know, we piled seven kids into a two-seat thing and did, you know, <laughs> the, the, the seatbelt was your um, dad's or your mom's arm so that you don't pass them. And hit the windshield. So there, there, there are a lot of different things that um, that play into a person, you know, um, you know, being drawn to same-sex attraction. The Bible does not speak on same-sex attraction per se, but it does speak on the activities and behaviors, um, because same-sex attractions is something that, that's something that we call temptation. So temptation is not a sin, but acting out, out on temptation. Is, is the behavior aspect that the, the Bible does talk about pretty clearly because we all str uh, struggle with temptation. Um, and so we, what we need to do is, um, as we talk about this particular topic and subject, we cannot just isolate this as its weirdest own thing that's far above and worse than anything else. Because I'll tell you what, what's worse than a practicing homosexual is a person who denies Jesus. And there's a, a world full of people who have said no to Jesus that we need to go after. So um, another question that came in, um, and so, so that's kind of like, are people born with those tendencies? Um, another question came in was, um, the Bible talks about men, ha um, you know, talks about men doing stuff with men and not the lesbian aspect of it. So does it exclude um, lesbian aspects. So I just want to read Romans 1, and after I read this, we're going to, uh, within this next kind of question, I'll, I'll invite our guests. But Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27 says this, Therefore God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. See, you see, our bodies are the temple of God. God created it so that a lot of people think that it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies because eventually we're all going to die and then oh, our spirit is going to go to heaven. And God's like, no, I'm going to give you, I'm going to renew your body. The body is not something that you just manipulate and degrade and, and mess around with. It's, it's still sacred. You know, it's still sacred. There was a belief that, that physical was evil and spiritual was good. Uh, back in, in the writings of Jesus, the, the Greeks, and um, um, so they had like all these different things. And, and, and we read here that, no, 
the bodies are important. And another passage is we read that we are the temple of God. And so we, we, we read here that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Verse 25 says this. They exchanged the truth of God. You see this exchange. The truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is, who is praised forever and amen. And this also hinges on the fact that the people and in our culture we have established that our sexuality is our identity. And God's like, that's, that's not your identity. Whether you're male or female, that's your biology, but it is not your identity. Our identity has been lost and has been, you know, um, uh, marred by sin. And God is here to redeem our identity. Our identity does not come from sexual, our sexuality or our sexual orientation. Our identity comes from our creator. Our creator has the authority to give us identity and purpose because he's the author of each and every person here. And so that, when, we, when we uphold that truth, that's going to change how we look on a lot of things. But in this world, we have perverted that and say, no, you know, you are the best things that you have. That's who you are. Your boat, your house, your job, your bank account, your sexual orientation, your attraction, whether you're part of this moment, movement, or that movement, and not even that. And, you, if, you, and if you think like this is just the worldly stuff, no, no. How many people say, oh, my identity is a Christian. I go to church. And you're sitting there like, please don't go to church. You make the rest of us look really bad. So we, 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 we try to even self-identify as religious people. We read the Bible, we pray, we come to church on Sunday, see, I am a Christian. No, you're not a Christian. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you are God's child. You're, a, you're God's child. That is far more deeper than anything else that this world has to offer. But it's hard to see that because we live in a world where it's driven by sight, feeling, and emotion than by the actual truth that surpasses those things. So that's why our world is so unstable. We're, we're, we're chasing this, we're chasing this, we're chasing this, and it's time for the church to stabilize herself and say, we are gonna stick with what scripture says. It's stable, it's grounded, it's rooted in God's desire, in God's design, in his heart, for, in love for all of humanity. We're gonna stick with this no matter where our culture goes because what's gonna happen is as our culture springboards into this direction, it's gonna come back. And the church is going to be in the middle with Jesus waiting. And that's what the world is looking for right now. People who are stable and loving and caring and not judgmental. And the other thing is too, like, no one has given us the right to judge the world. No one has given us the right to judge the world. So we cannot push Biblical values on a world that does not follow biblical values. So you're spending your energy trying to do all these things. Dude, they're, they're supposed to do what they're doing because they don't know any better. But within us, God, what do you have for me? How can I love my spouse more? How can I give more of my life to you? How can I quit my habit that no one is seeing and go after you with a pure heart would i still serve you if you've taken everything away from me that those realistic questions that's what god is after you know and, and in reality that is like the log in our own high you know <laughs> all right um verse 25 uh let's do verse 26 and then i'm gonna invite our speakers 
for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And then is there verse 27? And the men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. And this is talking about consensual relationship. This is two people agreeing. This is the concept that says, hey, we're adults. We agree we can do what we want. The Bible says, if you're God's, no, you're not your own. You're God's. You belong to God. So that goes out, that idea goes out that window right there. But you see, um, and then it continues, men committing shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. So there is going to be ramifications and consequences. And I think the church needs to be stabled and going after God to be able to receive people who have been more broken by the, world, by the broken world system. All right, and then one question that we're actually going to answer with, uh, with my guests is this. What do you think is the best way to deal with homosexuality or sexual issues? And this is where I want to park for the rest of the time that we have together, is, is what does it really look like every single day? Now that we know the foundation, now we know where we stand, now we know what the Bible says, and um, are we going to follow what the Bible says? And if we do, then how do you deal with this? And so um, for this morning's talk, I want to invite... Um, Richard and uh, Julie Jones to the stage. So if you guys would welcome them. On, okay, thank you. On your feet, on your feet. Richard, don't be afraid of ADD. the moving robots. ADD. <laughs> so you guys have some waters? Alrighty. So, thank you guys for being here. And for those of you who are, who are part of Odyssey, these are not new faces, so they're our regulars. Um, but today we want to talk about something that uh, maybe most of you or many of you may not, kind of, may, may not know um, and this is true across the board because we, we see people every day and we don't really know a lot of times what their story is or what they're going through, what they've been dealing with. Um, and this is why it's super, super important that we always lead in love and grace and mercy. You know, it's very, very vital um, because when a person is going through stuff, the truth is that, that it doesn't take much to hurt a person even more. So real fast, you guys have the mic, so just uh, in like a couple of sentences, uh, uh, how could I say this? Just tell us kind of where you guys are today leading up to specifically this topic um, and kind of your, your current situation for persons who don't know anything. Well, we kind of thought we were going to just come up and, and talk, and you got to see the look when we saw the two seats here. We went. Plus <laughs> <laughs> the But um, we have adult, we, we, been married since 1984. We had a son in 1990 and a daughter in 1993. Today. Today's oh, yeah. Yay! Today's birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, her name is Kelsey. And when Kelsey was 
in her freshman year of college, the first, basically the first break really was Christmas. And uh, her and I were up later and watching TV. And um, when the show was over, she wanted to talk to me. And I could see she was very uncomfortable. And um, that's when she said, I just have to let you know that I, you know, I, I just like women. I, I'm attracted to other women. And I always have been. She, uh, she feels that it's from birth. Um, you know, we, who knows what and who knows how it comes about. But um, so uh, basically, uh, you know, our job, we know that our main job is just to love our children and to make them realize that they are loved no matter what and, uh, and always. So um, now here we have it. Uh, she's 26 today and um, has already uh, proposed to her, her girlfriend of about four, three, four years. We love her dearly. She's a great girl. Um, and it's just, yeah, what, what we've been through is the adjustment of first, the first few years attempting to have her rethink it. And, you know, uh, but my first thoughts were, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a, a rough road for her um, to, you know, try to go out in the world and be different. Um, Julie and I have been very spiritual, very religious, and it was a rough thing to handle. The second thing I thought is, I'm not going to get to walk my little girl down the aisle. Um, but um, so she did propose to her girlfriend on uh, around Christmas, and uh, they're getting married a week, uh, a year from this coming October, and the whole thing has been just adjusting to that fact and um, trying to make you know figure out how do we handle it. Uh, our, our, our family is very religious, so uh, there's some of those that are still having a very big struggle with it, which each person is going to have their own, you know, they're going to go through whatever they go through. And, but we can tell you what we went through and where we are today. And um, I'll let Julie say a couple of things. So um, Kelsey had told Richard, and then... Um, it was probably about, I'm gonna guess, two to three months later, that's when Richard told me. And the first thing I did was cry. Just cause like Richard said, I just kept thinking about what a rough road she um, is choosing. She's in um, higher education. And I remember when she left for college, I said to her, you know, cause I guess I must have had a feeling. Um, universities normalize behavior. And that's one of the things that I was very concerned for her about. But um, I remember, you know, feeling, feeling sad and turning to Richard. And, and one of the things that's wonderful about having this conversation within the church, it is, it's made me go to Richard and say, I felt discounted when uh, I would share my feelings with you about this whole situation. And it made me realize, though, that Richard knew a lot longer before me, so he was able to process it, where, you know, I'm a girl, I want to process it with my husband. <laughs> but um, it, it just opened up the door for us, so I appreciate that we're doing this at the church. Um, 
And I, uh, yeah, I was on my knees a lot, <laughs> um, asking God how to be, mainly just how to be. And all that I could hear is just love her right where she's at. Just love her where she's at. She's my baby more than yours. I love her way more than you will. And I just love my daughter. And you know, the thing that I think about with this whole topic is Kelsey's so much more than, um, than that she's chosen same-sex same attraction. She's funny, she's delightful, she's a leader, she wants to um, lead students well, um, that's her job right now. She loves pouring into people. And she actually says, I do not like the LBGT, XMLZ, however you say it, community. She doesn't like how loud they are. She's like, just stop yelling and just live your life. Um, and she loves Jesus. On top of all this, she is madly in love with Jesus. She loves that David Crowder song that we did last week, Oh, How He Loves Us, so much. I mean, I, I just, one of my sweet memories is watching that girl praise God. Praise Jesus in that song. Um, and because Richard and I um, have been standing for people to know Jesus and to love him so much and just live full out for him, we've been serving at, um, at a, um, here, but prior to moving up here, at a mega church. And both our children served there. And um, Kelsey was very hurt by that mega church um, in that her peers basically shunned her. Um, so it breaks my heart. I mean, she's scared to walk into churches. And that just breaks my heart. Because I don't know how else to have her understand how madly and deeply Jesus loves her, except through the actions of us. Mm. And, um, and that's my, like, um, when Malia was here and she was bringing people, I loved that she brought people here and that I got to love on them. I can think of one man in particular that I wish he'd be here. I miss him. He was just wonderful to have here. But, okay, I rambled, sorry. <laughs> now, just to clear it up, Kelsey was so afraid to tell her mother, that's when Kelsey and I agreed that I would break it to her um, instead of having Kelsey, you know. I'm known as the enforcer. <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in a family, there's an enforcer, and there's uh, somebody that just goes along with everything and makes everything smooth. Well, that's the enforcer, so you can figure who I am. So you have, like, the Old Testament law and the New Testament law. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Great. Um, but so, it, it, and Julie, Julie was a biblical counselor at, our, at the mega church and involved in women's ministry and things. So that's why Julie, uh, Kelsey felt, you know, oh my gosh, mom is gonna have a rough time with this. And she just didn't wanna hurt her, you know? I mean, that was the only fear was, and wasn't, you know, is she gonna be mad, you know? She just knew that it would be rougher for, 
the enforcer to, uh, to handle it. Um, but so we had very little opinion of homosexuality before this, except that it's not, not recommended, it's not good, it, it's, it's, it's shunned, you know. And now we've, but now we've learned or realized that a sin is a sin. And uh, why is this, this category classified so terrible, you know? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, like it's more of a sin than others. And, uh, and some sins are definitely worse than others in uh, judicial, you know, as to uh, pedophiles and things, you know, of course they should go to prison. Um, but a, a homosexual, you know, it, it, an adulterer, uh, you know, it, it just had me look much deeper into how we classify or how we treat different people in different ways. And, and here she has such a love for Jesus, you know, we can't tell her, oh, no, Jesus doesn't listen to you anymore. You can't, you can't worship Jesus in, in uh, you know, your situation. So it is just great to see that there are people out there that are living uh, different lifestyles or living in a, in a sin that's very obvious and known, and yet they love Jesus with all their heart. So um, it, that's one of the things that has really helped, helped me, you know, because she didn't just turn around and walk away and say, uh-oh, you know, gee, the people that, I, that, that honor Jesus or believe in Jesus don't like me anymore, so I'm just gonna leave. She says, no, you know, she, she knows that it's a relationship between her and Jesus, and that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what other people do think. Um, but being in 26, I mean, as I got older, Julie knows one of my favorite things, and that's how it makes it easier for me to, you guys are like family though, so, uh, and I did wanna point out that we're in a group, a couples group that meets every week and they, they know everything, and that's what's great about a couples group. You can share with these three or four couples whatever's going on in your life, and all they're gonna do is you know, wrap their arms around you and uh, give us some feedback or, or not, you know, just listen. Um, but uh, it's, it's, and you guys, like I say, it's easier to speak to you guys as family, but also what you guys think of us, no matter what, this is us, and what you think of us is none of my business. It doesn't matter to me, you know? Now it does, because I'll listen to what anybody has to say, and it might, might have some, uh, some uh, influence on me on how to handle something, especially, like I say, in the small group. But um, I do listen to people that have any advice, any suggestions, any concerns, but bottom line is, you know, who I am is who I am, and I'll handle things the way um, I see best, you know, best fit. And the reason that we're talking about this topic um, and churches should address this topic, it's not something that we're like, okay, hey, let's pick a sin. Let's talk about adultery next week. You know, let's talk about this. But, but it's, it's one of those things that, um, that when a culture tries to normatize something that's destructive, it's our job to raise the standard and say, no, we're not convinced. Let's have a conversation about this. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's not that churches or Christians are trying to speak on controversial topics, um, but it's just that it comes up in our culture, so it's vital that we talk about it. Um, I do want to ask, so how, how um, what kind of, like, responses did you guys have 
from other people that really surprised you in good or bad ways where you're like kind of taken aback by churches or pastors or friends or families? Um, well, for me, um, it's like close, close friends when they say, oh, I knew that all along. How? How did you know that? And it, it, that, that was just very surprising to me. I don't think I said anything back. I think I was like... <laughs> along those lines, um, I have a partner in business. And as we know, people that we work with, and especially a partner in a business, that's my day wife. This is my night wife. Um, and, we, and she's very good friends with my partner also. And, well, next week, we're going to talk about that relationship. Oh, and, uh, that, yeah. um, Leviticus so, chapter so 7. My partner has a great sense of humor, and she knows us very well. And she says, you know, guys, looking back, you, you know, there were signs, signals. She says, at the age of 15, she had more basketball shorts than the New York Knicks. I mean, come on, you know. It's like that's all she wore. And then we look back from, she would never have anything in her hair, a bow or a ribbon, you know, it would come right out, she'd tear it right out. Not that these were signs, but it is, it is funny how we look back at, you know, what were some possible signs or whatever, not that it matters at all. Um, but the biggest response that, that, that surprised me was how many people it's touched. Uh, good friends of mine, when I share with them, they're going, you know, that's actually a very good friend said, that's what I'm waiting for my, uh, and her, his daughter's around 30. He said, that's what I'm waiting for my daughter to tell me, you know, that uh, she just hasn't come forward yet. And it's not a definite, but that's what he thinks. And, that, and there was a couple others in the mega church that were like, you know, that they had a daughter or a family member also. But that was another thing. My, my brother had a daughter uh, that was, she's just like Kelsey. And she was, uh, she's older. She's, Aunt Julie is one year older than her, <laughs> my niece. Um, but um, I had already dealt with it, you know, with, with another close family member that I love dearly. She's just a great kid. And that's how I knew that the struggle was going to be there, which it is for men and women also. But, but she had a lot of struggles along the way with relationships and things um, and with the response. But... She, I mean, she's highly, you know, recognized in her community and, and honored for all her sports accomplishments, and she is a gym teacher. Um, but, but I had already dealt with uh, having a close family member that I love and finding out that they were, uh, you know, same-sex attraction. So, yeah. And at first, Julie didn't think it really affected me at all until I shared with her that, that it did. And she was like, well, you could have told me. And I mean, it, it is so much better to be able to share things together. Um, but yeah, you know, the guy, oh, yeah, oh, my God, so I'm not going to walk her down the aisle. You know, it's, uh, uh, it definitely did, did, it, it definitely did hit me. But that was a mistake that I made by not being able to share that with Julie as she was handling it and having a proper time handling it. Well, I want to thank you guys for kind of just being able to come and and share, um, see one of the things that, that when you're talking about like a topic, like for, for me to put something like this together over the last couple of weeks, I cannot just talk about it and be like, okay, this is what the Bible says and, and that's pretty much it. So, you know, fall in line with it or get, you know, 
have to think of people who are like dealing with this stuff in within our church, you know, and Julian Richard, it's it's not an easy journey for them to be to be on because of what they're saying here. I mean, you know, you, you, you hear like this love for her, love for people language. But what you're not hearing is that, well, we agree that what she has decided is just her God design, you know, and, and that makes it a lot more difficult, um, you know, to, to, to even, you, you have to take extra steps to love because you're like, you're like, you know better and you're still kind of living a destructive lifestyle. And, and like I said, it could be homosexuality or anything else. So that stepping into and saying, how do we love a person who's continually you know, in, in a place that's destructive to them. And, um, and actually, I want to, I know you have the mic, and I want to ask you, actually kind of ask you, how, how, how do we love people who are, because they were here for the last couple of weeks listening to the message. Everything that I said was not like shocker. It, they knew that it was in the Bible. They, they, they believe that. They stand behind it. And even though, you know, they have one or two choices to say, well, the Bible's not clear, or the Bible's not authoritative, and we love our daughter, so we're going to affirm her. They can do that, and a lot of Christians do that. And a lot of times the Christians do that because they don't really, are not convinced that the Bible is authoritative or that the Bible is clear, and so they go based on just, well, she's a human, she's not as bad as I thought she was. Of course not, but that's one option, and a lot of people move into it. The other option is to say, you know what, I will never affirm this, but I will never stop loving, loving you either. So, 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 so there is a way to love a person through their struggle, through their journey. So the question is, how, how do we... Yeah, how do we kind of do that? And then whatever you kind of wanted to say as well. Well, um, Jesus, how I saw, see him and how he is for me, and I believe every single person, is he meets us right where we are. No matter where, if we're drowning, if we're in, um, if we're um, in, uh, a sea of alcohol or drugs or sexual sin, whatever. He just meets us when we turn and seek him. And um, so seeking God while I, um, when I first found out about everything was, you know, just being able to rest in, um, in the truth of who I am in him and who he is in me. And then remembering that I am not called to judge. I am called to love. And, um, and God is going to take care of the rest. And so every day, I, I mean, Kelsey and I talk practically every day. Um, we always say I love you to each other. She knows that we love her so much, and she knows that... And I have said that to her. I am called to love you. I just said it to both of um, her and Kelly. I'm called to love you guys. I am not called to judge. That is God's job, not mine. And understanding that I am not the Holy Spirit, even though sometimes I want to be, I, <laughs> I work hard at that. And, um, you know, I, I do work hard at not judging. I mean, and I find myself jumping right back to it, into it when I'm driving behind somebody who, you know, I think we should be quicker or something. But does that answer I'll the question? I'll move out of your way the next time. You're <laughs> behind you. me. You're welcome. I think most of you realize I have a strong background in recovery, not just to help others, but I was a mess. Um, and 
so that's where I, I also know meet people where they're at. You know, we can't we can't teach her or change her or you know uh, all we can do is influence if we accept exactly where she's at and and recognize it, accept it, um, and try to understand it. Um, and, and another thing, you know, I, I'll meet people with kids with anorexia or, or very serious illnesses or serious drug problems, and I'm like, we're blessed that it's not one of those, you know? I mean, it's not, well, it's not always great to just, you know, well, I'm not that bad because look at that guy, you know? Um, but uh, So you're you know, very judgmental. Oh, and yeah. she's not very, okay, I see. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, that's a, another thing it's a, to look at it is, wait a minute, it, this is not, you know, critical. This is not, uh, it's, it's just a society, the way society looks at it. And, um, and we understand that that's something to definitely be looked at. But, but it's, you know, again, I'm just, we're, I'm just thankful that she doesn't, had, did not develop something else that we'd have a hard time struggling with and dealing with that, that could have been worse. And you heard them say that they're not judged, you know, we're not called to judge. And what they're not saying is that they don't make judgments because we all have to make judgments. I think the whole thing of not judging others um, really is, is basically saying, hey, based on where you are today, you will end up in hell or heaven. That's not for us to make judgments on. Um, there was like a story just recently this week where there was a, um, a congressman or whatever who was very much anti-LGBTQ and makes laws towards it, and, and I guess if this is not fake news, but uh, so um, so, but he basically someone walked in on him and another guy, in his office, you know, and so so it's really easy for us to say, oh, since they're up on stage, he's since he you know they're there, then they must be whatever they must be, and and, and we and that's the judgment where we're like, you know, we don't know where we are because in our worst days, we would have hated for someone to say, well you are a lost sinner and you're never going to see Jesus and you quit coming to church, quit talking to Jesus. He's never going to talk to you. you know? and, that's, and we know that that's not the case because God does not distance himself when we mess up. You know, we distance ourselves from God because that's what we've been taught. And God's like, no, you're broken, you're messed up, you're in, in shambles. Come to me. Come to me. You know, I'm there. I will be there. And so, so, you know, don't misunderstand. It's like, oh, we just suspend all judgment on all things. It's like, it's like no, we, there is a righteous judgment. Yeah. The scripture, the Bible says that, that the word judges all people. And so there is definitely a judgment, but we're just not, um, we're not given the authority or the right to conclude on people's destiny. Um, and, then, um, and, so I, and what I tell people and what I believe too is that, that there are many ways to Jesus. But once you get to Jesus, he's the only way to God, the Father and to salvation. That's the gospel. But we all have taken all sorts of detours, all sorts of ways. And if you, if you can look back in your life, you, know, you can pinpoint all those times that God showed up in your mess. When religion tells you if you're in your mess, God is gonna be far from you. But reality says that no, God is gonna be really close to us. Not that he's affirming your mess, but he's just saying, I love you. I love you, don't, don't, don't do something so destructive. I'm here for you. I have people. I have purpose. I have destiny. I have hope. This is where the whole message comes from, the whole message of the idea of hope and destiny and a future. Um, the world needs it, and a lot of people in our church need it as well because we get so religious a lot of times, and we just check, check off our list. I went to this church. I prayed. I did this. I did this. And then we're, we wake up one day with, in the mess, and God's like, I'm, I'm, I'm close to you as well. Reach out. 
Um, so I want to end on um, something, because we were talking about this, and, and kind of like a, a, a passage or a story that, that's kind of familiar, that kind of goes across the boundary, of, not the, it goes across the spectrum of you know, any particular sin. Because one of the questions is, how do you really deal with uh, homosexual sin or people who are struggling with, with the, the, that attraction? And the truth is, you deal with it the same way that you deal with any other sin, any other brokenness that, that people are going through. You love them through that. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to break myself even more today. A lot of times, the things that we do that are destructive, we don't find them being destructive. You know, and so I think in this case, it's the same way where, where we, just, we just have to treat all things kind of equal and say, you know, this is where we stand because this is where the Bible stands. But I, I do want to, um, um, there's this last passage, and we're not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to read kind of like a, a, a portion of it. But this is found in Luke chapter 15. Uh, it, the whole story is from verse 11 to verse 32. But if you can pull up verse maybe 29, I, I want to see if that's, that's what I want to read. But it's, it's allowed. Uh, let's do verse 30. All right, let's do, okay, so this story just kind of picks it up, this whole story of, of, the, of the prodigal son. You have a father and has two, two, two sons. One son is a religious son that stays with the father, that obeys all the laws, obeys all the rules. Then you have another son that basically said, Father, I wish you were dead um, so I can take my inheritance. And his father's like, you can have your inheritance. And so the son takes his in, in, inheritance and wastes it. And then this story kind of picks up, uh, you know, kind of like the attitude of how we're supposed to deal with both people, those who are following all the rules and those who have broken all the rules. Um, and so verse 30 says, but look at the son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And he might as well, he could have said homosexuality, adultery, you know, all sorts of things that we've read about. Um, so with this guy, it was particular prostitution and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. And, um, and so verse 31, it goes, but the father said, my son, you are always, uh, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. That's amazing. There's like no limitations with the father. And then verse 30, uh, Whatever, 32. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Why did this story resonate, or why does this story kind of resonate with you guys, with kind of where you are and this maybe um, dilemma of of knowing that your child is doing one thing um, and how do you wait and continue to love? Um, it's just the unconditional love that we have for our children. It's uh, very simple for me that, you know, I'm always going to have open arms and uh, just welcome her into the house, into my heart, into, into our lives and uh, uh, always just Tickled to see her. She, she used to work at LSU in Baton Rouge up until about six months. Actually, she started June 10th, a new job. 
and she had gotten at Western Carolina University. It's about a, an hour from here, so she moved even closer. She's a half hour away from us now. We are just so tickled to have her back in her life. She's just such a bundle of joy, and she, she just brings brightness to anybody that she talks to. And, and she's the one that walks in the room and all of a sudden knows everybody. And, uh, uh, and you know, and it, it's, so, it's just so easy for her personality um, and the love we have for her to just just take over. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah. For me, um, I, I get to be waiting, and I'm just waiting and just loving her and, um, and trusting God. I mean, really trusting God. And... Um, <laughs> and... Um, I just, I believe that, um, I, I truly believe she's going to wake up, um, that she's going to, she may always have same-sex attraction, but that doesn't make me love her less. I, I'm just, I'm good within the waiting, and I'm so glad that there is that verse where Jesus does say, to come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that that's probably one of the verses that has carried me through a lot of my whole life. And um, so I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. And that's the story of the prodigal son, too. It's like the father, the Bible says that the father saw him while he was still far out. And I think it's such a powerful picture that, that I think a lot of times that as Christians, we stop looking for those who are lost. We kind of forget about them a lot of times and just focus on our own things. And I think it's a really good example to say, just keep looking for those who are far from God, which in whichever way, whichever capacity. Um, and, and once the, he saw the son coming to him, his father just dropped everything and ran to meet him. That, that has to be our response because that reflects God's heart. And we have to be carriers of um, God's heart wherever we go. Um, we're going to pray uh, because we, we, went, we went over. But what, did you guys enjoy hearing from Julie and Richard? <laughs> um, and if you're struggling with, with, with uh, same-sex attractions or, or, or maybe you, you know someone who is and you want to further talk with someone further about how to deal with it, how to... You know, you know how to process this. Um, you know, feel free to let us know, text us, email us. You know, talk with uh, Richard, Julie, talk to me, find us. Um, there are a lot of resources out there. One of the we're believers that God redeems people. Like in First Corinthians, where after it lists all the sins, and in verse eleven it says, uh, "But you, some of you were those things, but you have been redeemed, you have been bought, you have been changed, you have been transformed because of Christ." And so there's always redemption, no matter what our past is, no matter what we're struggling with. And that is the hope that we carry wherever we go with us. Um, and so that's, that, that, that's what gives, uh, gives us the ability to say, God, we're just going to wait and continue to pray. Which also brings me to, to remind you guys, if you're not part of our Echo Prayer chain, um, you know, this is where we can also pray for them and for Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey and uh, what's her girlfriend's name? Kelly. Kelly as well um yeah and so yeah uh, 
and just kind of keep keep them you know in in your prayer and just and just keep, you know just continue to just pray for people so that God can show up more and more and more in their lives um, as well. So um, if you guys want to pray, but yeah, let's uh, if you guys can rise, we'll just wrap up um, in this prayer. Next week we're gonna pick up another topic, so I hope you guys join us for that. Um, and I just if you guys will, I thank you guys. Thank you. All right, Richard said I get to pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much for um, your redeeming love. Thank you that you um, meet us right where we are and um, remind us of where you want us to go to um, be in your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord. I pray that this time um, that people heard that, that your people um, are called to action to just go out and share your light and your love with everybody that they run in, into contact with. And thank you, Lord, for this spiritual hospital. Thank you that um, we can come here and lay our burdens down and um, trust in who you are in us, Jesus, and who we are for you. Continue to keep growing us every day and every way that your love is shown through. And God, we love you so much. And um, we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I'd like to just leave you guys with this, with this, uh, just two phrases that I want you to remember, because this is not just for this topic, but just overall. Um, love is our way. And Jesus is our way out. So whatever journey you're on, don't let your struggle, don't let your past become your identity. Jesus is truly your answer, and he may, be a, he may come at you differently than he would your brother or sister or sibling or friend or people at, at, in the church, but he still is the way and the only thing that if you grab a hold of him, you may not fully understand, you may not fully agree, but continue to just hold on to him. He will guide you. He will walk with you through whatever you will ever face in your life. You know, so I just want to encourage you to just, you know, if you cannot press into any one of us physically, just go after Jesus. He is a big boy. He can carry you. He can chat with you. He will guide you. So don't be afraid. Your Father's arms are wide open, and our church's arms are wide open. So if you don't, you know, you won't be judged here. We will love you. We will tell you the truth. We will walk with you. We will answer questions, and we may not fully agree, but we will always continue to agree that we will always love and value and cherish you and those who are, um, you know, connected to you or are different um, and do different things. So, God, I just thank you for each and every person. God, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you continually remind us that you have not just a good way for us to do life, but you have the best way for us to do life. So I pray and I ask that each one of us, no matter what kind of journey we are on, no matter what we're working or walking in, no matter what we're struggling with, Father, I just, I just ask that you give us the courage to submit that to you and step into a better way, which is your way. God, be our guide. Be our gauge. Be our light. In your name we pray. Amen.